This is episode number 98 with Amy Lyle. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Gold Star Wife, author and speaker, Barbara Allen. And if you're brand new to the show, uh, our podcast is all about positivity, possibility, and patriotism. We like to say we are living, defending, and promoting the American dream, and we want you to double down on your own American dream and take full advantage of all the opportunities that are in this country so you can start living that life that you once imagined for yourself. We want you to unleash your patriotism and your potential uh, by being inspired through the stories, guests, and interviews that we have here on the show. We feature social media influencers, celebrities, veteran entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, And just exceptional Americans who are giving back to their communities, uh, giving back both in business and in everyday life. And and whether they are celebrities or small-town heroes, each of our guests is a shining example of the American spirit. And that leads me to today's guest. Amy Lyle is an author, comedian, and a regular guest on Atlanta and Company. And in this episode, Amy shares her story of how a girl from rural Appalachia is making a place for herself in the world of comedy. And she offers valuable insight for others who are ready to chase their own dreams. So listen in as she cracks us up and lifts us up with her infectious laugh and hilarious outlook on life, all while reminding us how to find the humor in the everyday grind. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Amy Lyle. You are listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. I am here today with Amy Lyle, and this is going to be a fun interview. Not that I don't have fun or enjoy all the interviews I do, because I 100% do. Some of them, I have to work a little harder than others, and sometimes I'm trying to dig deep to find humor in a situation, because that's how I roll. Give me a situation. I try to find some humor in it. It's one of my strongest coping mechanisms. I believe humor is one of people is something people as a whole underutilize. It's a powerful tool. A lot of people don't understand how powerful it can be. It can change perceptions, change mindsets. It can alter your mood and boost you up and just give you a whole new outlook on things. Sometimes people lose the humor in their lives. They don't have the ability to find it. They lose track of it. Amy Lyle, however, has not only found the humor in her life, she's turned this passion of hers, something that just lights her up, makes her feel alive, and she shares it with other people. She is now full-time, full steam, full throttle, pursuing humor as her platform for the work that she does. And she's doing it well and doing it beautifully. And we are excited to have you here today, Amy Lyle. Thank you. Hello from Atlanta. It's like 7,000 degrees here. Oh, you know, we are in New York and it's thawing out a little bit now, but we're having <laughs> some bizarre spring in June. It was like 38 degrees the other night. I, I oh might my gosh. Just freezing. No. We need freezing. that. No. That for a no days. Careful Kill what you wish for, right? Kill the bugs. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll give you that. The bugs haven't been around really, but other than that, I, I'm, I'm out on, on the cold. So Amy, you... Yes. You are an author, you're a comedian, you're a regular on a morning show in Atlanta. You have your own TV show coming out. You are really forging forward. And I think what I saw somewhere is that this is not something that you've been doing full-time your entire life. You're a wife, you're a mother of four kids. So am I. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, four kids, that's a lot of kids. We both have creatures. Yeah, I I got horses, dogs, kids, like it's mayhem. We just operate in mayhem. (laughs) But some of us thrive in mayhem, right? And I think I think you do too. So you were in the corporate world though before you left. So there's a lot of different things here that I think a lot of people are going to be able to connect to, relate to, and learn from in how you've done things and gone about life and where you're going now. So can you tell a little bit, first tell us where you are now, and then we'll go back and talk about how you made that leap. 
Oh, sure. Where am I am now? I'm so excited you mentioned um, I have been a guest on uh, Awaken Atlanta and another show called Good Intention. So I'll be a guest or I'll be a co-host coming up. I'm uh, co-hosting with uh, Shannon McVeigh. And um, this is how the story goes when we rolled this out. It's like they do 15 shows in the studio and I'm like, I want a show. I want a show. And they're like, you're not getting a show. And I'm like, I really want a show. And they say, no, we have 15, uh, you know, 15 shows shooting in here. You can't do a show. If you find space to do a show, you can have a show. And I was like, oh, I found space. So the whole premise is like, it's called from the broom closet with Amy Lyle. And it's literally a broom closet. Yeah. With like mops and, um, and, and I'll have comedic guests and they're not like, I'm not really interviewing them. They're just going to jump right into like sketch comedy. And it's, it's, I just can't wait. It's been, it's been so fun. And one of my uh, good friends, Jessica from Wisconsin. Hello, Jessica. Um, Hello, Jessica. Her her husband works for a giant cheese company. And I was like, I think it'd be really funny to have a cheese company as a sponsor. And then we'd have a whole segment like that's cheesy and do headlines or whatever, (laughs) or all the meals that we make are made of cheese. Like we could do a whole theme. So um, anyway, it's kind of been exciting. It kicks off in July, every other Wednesday in July. Excellent. Do you know what my kids would call that whole that's cheesy thing? I don't know. Do your kids do this? They've come up with the phrase, that's, that's a boomer joke, mom. That's a boomer joke. Like when you say, you know, if I said- saying we're baby boomers? Yeah. But we're actually not that old. I understand. We're, we're Gen X. I understand. <laughs> but to them, everybody over the age of 30, you know, is a boomer, right? <laughs> so they're like, that's the thing. It's just become such a theme. We make the corny jokes, the cheesy jokes, you know, boomer joke, but to the point that we just got a new horse and named him Boomer. Like that's- <laughs> <laughs> I love that's it. Well, you would love my show. Yeah. <laughs> boomers. But I do want to do like, I miss the 80s. I know. You know, yeah. or something. And um, I am having Josh Harris. He's a, a comedian in Atlanta. He's kind of famous, actually. I'm so excited he's coming on. And he's a millennial. And I go, let's quiz each other. We'll do trivia. <laughs> or you tell me, you know, what's going on and you quiz me. And then I quiz you on my people of the 80s. Bridging the gap, the generational I'm gap. bridging the gap, Barbara. We're, yeah, you we are. We have more Just... common than not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, we do. All right. So your TV show, where are people going to be able to watch that? Oh my gosh. Anywhere. Um, they have a great app. It's called United Intentions Media or United Intentions <laughs> Network. Wait, I wrote it down. I put my glasses on and, and look at it. Wait, please hold. Okay. It is uimediaapp.com and um, it's free and it's just as nice as CBS app. It's really cool. They're adding 500 subscribers a day. Nice. So it's super popular. And then... Um, they have like a 3 million reach. You know, they have contracts with Comcast and radio stations and Spreaker and Blog Talk. But what's really exciting is they just partner with Binge, which is kind of like a Netflix. Okay. Um, a subscriber. And Binge is partnering with Hulu and Amazon. Sweet. So our, so our like 8 million reach could be like 100 million reach really soon. So call me if you want advertising because it's only cheap now. <laughs> Go for it. Get the, get that little plug in. Yeah, that's, that is so cool. And that's exactly what I try to remind people all the time. Sometimes I got to remind myself, right? We're in this business. Like we, we started American Snippets, you know, I'm in my four, I'm 46 now. Right. So we started American Snippets two years ago. And I remember a time when I would have looked at life I'm just looking out the window. My dog is chasing a horse. Almost got kicked. I'm going to pretend I'm, there's nothing to see. <laughs> okay. So, so, nothing to see. There's nothing to see. Please oh hold. Oh my God. break. Yeah. Oh, Barbara goes oh please. <laughs> so, okay. Anyway, say a prayer for my puppy and move on. So, um, yeah. So I would have looked back in time, like looked ahead and thought like, if you didn't have your life like completely figured out by the time you were 40, locked in, like you're, I, I used to think like you'd be looking at retirement at 40. You can never start something at 40. Who's going to do it? That's too old. That's too old. So I a hundred percent love that you were in your 40s. I'm even right? older. When you, no, <laughs> well, yeah, that's not bad. Hey, that's quite the achievement, you know, but <laughs> you know that you were also right in your 40s when you had yes. a corporate job and, yes. you know, again, you're a mom of four, you have responsibilities, people depending on you. And less and less, but yeah, you may, yes, but still, yeah, I know. How old are your kids now? Um, 16, 18, 20, 21. Nice. But you know what I found with my kids that they actually like lean on me a little more at that age. They're 20, 19, 18 and 15. Right. And it's like, oh, wow. very similar. It's not, yeah. Um, it's, 
I used to think that'd be so easy when they're that old, but no, no, check, no. My daughter, <laughs> we were listening to something the other day and and I forget, it was a, a woman talking about her mother and I was like, hey, if I died, what would you say about me? You know, like, tell me now while I'm alive. And she did say, I am so proud of you because you followed your dreams. Like she recognized that. Yes. yes. And I think yes. it's made me realize, you know, my parents were like, you're getting a business degree. You know, you're not going to theater. You're getting a business degree. And so now I realize like, you can really follow your dream. You don't need that much money when you're, especially when you're young. So yes. do it when you're, you're young and something will come out of it. It yes. may take years and years, but like, you don't need a lot. So why not follow your passion, whatever that may be? Yeah. What were you doing in the corporate world? What was... <sighs> Um, it was a really fun job. Actually. I loved the job. Um, I had been in, um, staffing like employment staffing for 15 years. And, um, and so then my last leg of that, I was a corporate trainer and it was really fun. It was really fun. And we, um, focused really on technology of taking kids out of college and training them how to be technical recruiters. And so it was super fun and you got to travel a lot and I loved it. I loved the job. But then in 2008, it kind of crashed. Yes, that, that happened. Uh, many yes. people are familiar with that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so is that about the time you started thinking about moving into something else? No, then I had to get a real job as well. So I went back to, you know, being a sales manager <laughs> for Robert Half and um, I loved it. You know, it was, I mean, it was difficult being a sales manager in the heart of a recession, yes. but uh, we did it. We pulled together and we, we made money and helped people get jobs because nobody had a job. Everybody was getting laid off. Our clients yeah. couldn't get jobs. Uh, people that, you know, we used to call them, we're getting it laid off. But um, no, it started when I got remarried and um, we're a blended family. And so my family, you know, I went from um, working full time and having my daughter about part, so about half time, my, my ex-husband and I uh, split responsibilities to getting remarried. And my husband had three kids and they were little at the time. They were like, you know, eight, 10 and 11 or something. And um, he's like, would you ever want to stay home? I mean, cause this one's in football and this one's in tennis and this one's in piano and this one's in swim and yeah. it, you know, after school. And I was like, Oh, yikes. I've never done that. Okay. I'll give it a try for the summer. <laughs> that was not a good idea. There's, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> then I immediately started um, doing like some acting for a nonprofit and it was fun. It was a comedic role. And um, meanwhile, I had been on a lake trip with a bunch of girls and I wrote my movie script. And so I was trying to get that going. And then I started writing for a nonprofit. And so that's how it started. And then I started writing for a magazine and then, it, you know, doing some freelance. So that's how it starts. It never is like an overnight thing. It's a long, long no, process. It's not right. And sometimes there's like a little hint or a little glimmer of something that interests you, intrigues you, and you're kind of drawn to it. And I always encourage people not to ignore that whisper in their ear. Like if something is like tugging them the other way, there's a reason for it, right? Either you're missing something in your own life and you're not even aware of it, or there's just something more for you out there that you can be doing with your life. And a lot of people, it's, it can be scary, right? Like, and if you stop to think about it, you know, hey, I'm going to be a comedian. I'm going to write two books. I'm going to have my own TV show. And that, that'll never happen. Like, you know, I can't, why even bother? Because nobody, <laughs> nobody makes that happen, right? It's just going to be humiliating. People are going to laugh at me when I tell them my dream and I don't make it, all these reasons. So that is why I love speaking to people who just say, I'm in and I'm going for it. And it's such an important thing. It's so much fun, right? Like, look at everything you would have missed if you hadn't you know, decided to listen to that, to that whisper, right? Yes. And it's so weird the way any of it happened, because like, if life went the way I thought it was going to go, where I just write a screenplay and then Paramount calls me and wants the, you know, wants the screenplay. That's, that's, how, it always how, that's how I thought it would be, but yeah. it didn't work out that way. And so this attorney gave me this great advice. He's like, you can't roll into Hollywood. You, when we search your name, Amy Lyle, a bunch of stuff better come up and, and yeah. it better be comedic related. And I was like, well, how do you do that? And he's like, well, you have to write a book or write a blog or do something. So when I wrote the book of failures, I mean, I went, I mean, I had so much fun writing the book. It's all about my failures and everything. But um, I went into full fledged like promotion, which I'm not in PR, but yeah. I was in sales for years and years and I can put an email together and I can pitch. And so I spent, you know, that was a full-time job every day of reaching out to podcasters or radio shows or television shows and just uh, saying, Hey, do you want to explore the idea of failure? And, you know, sometimes their demographic was women. It matched up with, you know, my message of marriage and yeah. uh, struggling as a mom 
mom and not understanding teenagers and it matched up. And, um, and then I just got so, so lucky that Atlanta and company, uh, the hostess, Christine Polera in Atlanta picked me up to interview me. And then they have invited me back every two weeks for two awesome. years. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm so lucky. And you meet yeah. all these so many people, people yeah. on the show. And so then we become friends. It's like this little Rolodex of um, yeah. amazing women that are on the show that we all love each other and support each other and celebrate each other's victories. And you can call them if you're having a bad day and they'll allow you 20 minutes to vent and be like, all right, back on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> That's so important. Talk about that a little bit too, because you touched on another point that we often talk about as well is the power of relationships and building relationships, right? And you never know where it's going to take you. But if you met these guests on the show, I'm guessing you don't go up and say, hi, I'm Amy Lyle. I'd really like this from you. Can you do that for me? Right. That, that, that's not no. how it happens. <laughs> yes. Right. No, it's Just normally like connect with them as people. Okay. We are so weird. Okay. My, a buddy of mine, Kurt has a, has a podcast called spatial awareness. I love, I love podcasts. I listen to him all the time and he's a friend of mine. So I was on his podcast and I love the concept of it because it's like all these people have their noses and their phones and they're not communicating with the person behind you in the grocery store. And what's so interesting, and this is, this is a true testament. I should have told the story on his show, but I forgot is um, like an Atlantic company the other day was sitting to this real attractive uh, African-American guy and his wife was really beautiful. And I'm always like, I wonder who that is. And, and they have a lot of like authors and doctors uh -huh. and whatever people in the community, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so I didn't know who he was. And then they, the segment was over and they're like, and now welcome Brian McKnight. And Brian McKnight is like this famous singer with like a hundred Grammys. And you would recognize <laughs> all of his songs. He's right up there with like Luther Vandross. And he went up there and sang and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was sitting, sitting next to right this guy <laughs> and I didn't even, so now, I learned a lesson every time I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Why are you on this show? And, um, you know, and sometimes they're, they're actors from, um, big shows, you know, they're not famous yet, but they're like, I, I sat next to Sean Gunn from galaxy of the uh, oh, guardians, guardians of the galaxy. Yeah. galaxy. He's so nice. He, he took a picture with my book. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the cast of, um, the color purple was playing at the Fox theater in Atlanta and they were all there and they were lovely. So, so cool. Yeah. So some child singing prodigy was on there with like 18 million, you know, followers on Instagram. I'm like, what? Who are you? You're 11. What? But, um, so anyway, I think that's a good thing to your point to, to reach out and, um, you know, not ask them what they can do for you, but just ask them what they're doing. And, and a lot of times you can have some synergy and help each other out. Yeah. That is also so important. You got to add value to people before you even consider and not be scared to ask. Like recently there was a wrench thrown in my film. Like we literally were looking for a director and started to send out the sides. So the sides are like, if you're going to be in my film, I'm going to send you the script. You're going to read these two pages or whatever. And, um, our money was from Hollywood because my producer, Suzanne Jerva spent a lot of years in Hollywood. So that's, she's got some, you know, generous people there. Well, uh, Hollywood is uh, boycotting Georgia right now because oh. of the heartbeat law. Oh my God. God, I can't. Yeah. Stand. And so we have no money from Hollywood right now. And so she's oh like, Oh my God. We just need $1 million. And I was like, I'm in sales. I'm like, I think I can get a million dollars. And I think I can. And it's, it's by like asking the question. I mean, this morning I was talking to a musician. And who, by the way, Russ Still and the Moonshiners, I love you. They were uh, Georgia Band of the Year, Georgia Song of the Year. And they're letting me use a song of theirs in my television show as the opener. That's so cool. Yes. And they gave me their songs for my film. So I have to give them lots of shout outs. Russ Still and the Moonshiders. But anyway, Russ, Russ was telling me. We'll put Russ a link Still. to them in our article too. Good. I hope so. Yeah. He's, they're awesome. So um, so since I was on the phone with them, I was like, and, you know, I was asking him a million dollars. <laughs> I go, and uh, do you know anyone that makes like 10 or $11 million that they like, you know, regularly give money to like the opera or the symphony or the arts or the high museum. Like, you know, they're really into supporting artists because it, it's a high risk investment. It, yeah. You think of it as an investment, but you really shouldn't. You should, you right. should think of it as a donation. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know if it's going to make money or not. And mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, I know someone. I mean, yeah, I know someone. He would love you. Let me set that up. And then um, I did this independent film where I got paid tacos last weekend. Excellent. Therapist. And um, cream. Or regular? <laughs> what? <laughs> Were they tacos supreme or regular tacos? They're just regular tacos. Wow. But they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and all the soda you could drink. 
Okay, but, great. Yeah. But the guy that led us, he is like five <laughs> minutes from Pinewood Studios, which is where they shoot Marvel. And he has two cottages on his property and a studio. And he's let seven filmmakers film movies there for free. He just supports artists and he's a millionaire. His name is Joe. Um, don't, don't say his name. Castillo. Castillo. Joe Castillo. Oh, Joe Castillo. I'm so sorry. Your phone's about Listen, he's a famous sand artist. Oh, what? And, like he was on. We need to get him on our show. Yes. He's a famous yes. sand artist. I don't know if he would do it for free. He's, but he might, but he's, um, <laughs> Maybe he would. He lets people film for free. He'd probably be on a podcast for free. I don't know. But he, um, you know, he's made it big and now he's being generous to lift up other authors, to lift up, right. you know, creatives. Like he's, he has um, art shows there and lets people film there. And That's awesome. it's so awesome. And so I'm thinking out loud, I'm like, I'm going to be calling Joe and be like, Joe, I need a million dollars. Do you know anyone? I won't ask him directly, but yeah. I'm hoping he's birds of a feather flock together, hopefully. Yes. Power of proximity. Yes. So, listen, I'm just making a mental note to um, work with Amy Lyle to find people to find people. <laughs> I am a connector. That is like the whole other, whole other career that you just have right there. Um, I like yes. to do that too, but I typically connect people in nonprofits. That's who we do. Like we have vet, we're very heavy in the military community. So we connect people in the military with resources by people. So, which is great. That's also a strength, but it's, um, sometimes you have strengths you didn't know. Like when I started writing my film, I was like, oh my gosh, it it was like a love letter to Atlanta in some ways, you know? So I wanted like Spanx involved, Sarah Blakely. I love her. She's my idol. She's amazing, right? She's amazing. She's in Atlanta, right down the street. I know. um, Her on your show. I would like her to do a cameo and her demographic matches up with my demographic. So exactly. So anyway, so people are like, well, how do you do that? I'm like, I think you just call them. And so then I start making calls and emails and LinkedIn or whatever. And I won't say who's in and who's out, but I will say that we've had great success with that because people love the movie business. And I have, you know, a movie about stay-at-home moms and working moms taking a step closer to each other in a very funny way. And it lifts people up. Um, And so it's just like, what are they going to say? No. So who cares? You move on to the next one. But um, some people are really scared to do that, to get the no. Yes. Uh, yeah. I exceed at getting the nose. Oh, I get the no all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Some people are nice about it. Some people are like just very blunt about it because they don't have time to be nice. But yep. yeah, you got to just get on. What is this thing you have with alpacas? Okay. <laughs> oh, shoot. I just gave away the last book. I would, I had like a stack of books there, but then I did a book signing and I sold them all. But anyway, I um, hate it when that happens. I hate it when it happens. I made <laughs> nine or ten dollars. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's that crazy. day. Yeah. I a lot sold, of money in the book business. I once <laughs> sold my books in the in the aisle of a grocery store with condoms and bedpans behind me. That's where I had a book signing. There you go. Yeah. You, you gotta align yourself with who's stopping for what, right? <laughs> Give me the prime spot. But go ahead. That's right. So the okay, alpaca so, uh my second book, We're All a Mess Okay, we're, we're All a Mess, It's Okay, came to be, this is a funny story, came to be from my first book, The Book of Failures, every Friday on social media, I put hashtag Friday fail. And I'd put one of my failures on there yeah. from the book or just a failure from the week because I had so yeah. many. And the response was so great. Like sometimes I'd have a hundred comments of people that they did something funnier than I did, like with cooking or coworkers or, I mean, just a million things, the holidays or whatever, vacations, vacation fails. And so, um, from that I had 60,000 words. And so I, I wrote another book called we're all miss. Okay. We're, it's like the chicken soup for your soul, but right. failures, but still lifts your soul. Cause they're funny. Yes. So, um, anyway, at the photo shoot, my friend, Andrea Ferencheck, photographer in Atlanta, she did the photo. <laughs> You're relentless. Hello, Andrea Ferencheck, photographer. Hello, Andrea Ferencheck, photographer. <laughs> she did the covers of the book. Here's the first book. Excellent. Look at the back. <laughs> she photoshopped that barbara my my bottom is not that nice i'm 47 but whatever look how nice it looks looks like a nice 25 right there it's nice anyway that's a true story everybody does that right so she um she did the cover and and then i was going to have friends like uh on the cover four on the cover and then a bunch of friends in the back like we're all piled on top of each other and i said what would add an element of fun okay meanwhile on facebook they had therapy llamas and it's like a therapy dog. And they're taking these llamas and visiting Places. homes. Yeah. Yes. And 
preschools and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would add an element of fun if we had a llama. And so that was like Wednesday night and the photo shoot was Saturday. And so I tried to get a llama and I swear to you, I was calling farms and they all sound like they're smokers. So I'm going to do an imitation. They're all like, they're like, we ain't got no traveling llamas. Like you can come up here with your crew and get yourself a little photo shoot up here at the farm, but we ain't coming to no Alpharetta. We ain't got a trailer, whatever. I was like, man, my dreams have been spoiled. But then finally at the last second, Atlanta casting animals, animal casting Atlanta came through on their way to Pinewood Studios, Avengers movie with their alpacas and stopped by my studio for an hour. And so we, on the cover, on the cover was an alpaca. And so yes. then since then, everybody sends me alpaca, alpaca stuff. stuff. Plus, I thought it was kind of like my spirit animal of me and my friends because they're like funny, but they're testy. You know, they kind of have hot tempers. They'll but spit um, at your face. Alpacas don't spit, they kick, oh, which they is kick. even better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that happened. So now it's like a theme. And then if you're a writer, you're a writer. So you cannot go on Facebook and be like, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. People right. will follow you. But you can have a talking alpaca named Santiago. Give that tell message. Tell people to buy the book. Tell, yeah, say a funny story and buy the book. So Becky Robinson, my PR person, she created she created <laughs> Santiago, Chris Corso. He's the voiceover guy. He does it. And it's so funny. He did it different ways. And so it came out kind of like a South American where he's like, um, the best one was Christmas. He's like, uh, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas to you, Christmas. And then he's like, what? You're Jewish? Oh, that's fine. Happy Hanukkah to you. Buy Amy's you know, book as a gift. Oh my. I love you. So we have like 50 recordings of uh, Santiago, which you can see on my Facebook page if you want to. I have but seen them. They're funny. I have seen Santiago. Yes. He's awesome. <laughs> and he tells a story. He's like, she tells a story about pooping her pants. It's very, very funny. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it would go viral Barbara it didn't but I would love uh, it yeah no the weird weird things go viral you gotta go bigger than an alpaca go viral I think even smaller things go viral like listen Linda Linda listen remember that that went viral <laughs> that's not as funny as my alpaca that's true that's true yeah that's true. I'm going to start, I'm looking at my menagerie of animals out the window now thinking, <laughs> I have to start like putting one of them to work they have to speak for me. Maybe my big bubbly horse, Lenny, he could talk. He's yes. Talking. It's all you do is take a picture and you yeah. buy that software and it makes their mouth move. Yes, I love I just, it. It's my friends have banned me from sending them those messages. I'm not, oh. I send them, I always send them Lenny talking. You can send and, those to me anytime you want. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to, I think I'm those are uplifting and I like them. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned quickly before, and I'm not sure if that's before we started recording after we stopped or started recording again, but uh, that you write for nonprofits. And I see when I, you know, follow you online, I see that you're involved in, in giving back in your community, the place of Forsyth, Forsyth, Forsyth. 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 I love that. Yes. We have uh, talked about everybody else in your community. I feel like we need to talk about place of Forsyth uh, because That's <laughs> we, right. do, we do actually one of the other things that we value and seek out and encourage and do ourselves is we really believe that the power, you know, everything going on in this country now, so divided, Hollywood boycotting Georgia, what the heck, like, give me a break. But if everybody kind of took less time being angry and pissy with each other and just kind of focused on creating more good in the community, more good in their lives, then I think the rest would slowly lose its weight and lose its power, right? The, the anger. Oh, the absolutely. You know, so... We love it when people find a way to do that in their lives. And almost every single person that we interview does that. So you give back right in your own community. It's a really important place. And there's overlap with somebody that I want to tell you about too, uh, that we interviewed who does work that aligns with that. Tell us about the place of Forsyth and what the they place, do and why you got involved. Sure. The place. Okay. So when I did my book launch a couple of years ago, it was like this giant, giant book launch. It wasn't like me standing at a podium reading. It was like a night to celebrate women, celebrate women that have changed their life after 40, celebrate um, um, just all kinds of stuff. The MC was um, Dr. Milo Bennett, who was on Housewives of Atlanta. Like it was just like this fun thing. And we gave, and I wanted to give away prizes and I wanted to give back to the community. And so those two went together really well. I started making all these funny videos of the people that were giving back and promoting them. And, um, and then I wanted to give back. So every single person brought like a bag of toiletries to support 
uh, the place of Forsyth. Because one thing that they do, they do many things, but one thing they do is when someone comes out of the pr- prison mm-hmm. or someone that is about her wife or whatever and has to flee in the middle of the night with children, she doesn't have anything. She doesn't have underwear. She doesn't have shampoo, nothing. And so we wanted to restock their toiletries closet. And then, and so I was doing some videos with them. Joni Smith is the director. She's phenomenal. And they also do uh, a thrift store, which is great. If you have college kids and you need stuff, they have sofas and bookcases and like anything, rugs, lamps. And then they have a food bank that is for, this is kind of interesting. It's for people that are not necessarily most of them are not on assistance, meaning they're not on welfare. These are people that are workers that are low income and they have families and they just need a little bit more to get through the week. So they go in there and they're able to get, I don't know what the amount is, if it's so much a month or so much a week or whatever, just to help get them to the next level. So that's what they're committed to is helping people become self-sustaining and matching them up with the resources. If it's English as a second language tutoring, or it's temporary housing, or it's an education, understanding how to apply for grants, that's something that they do. And I, I just, I feel very passionate about them. I love them. The last thing we did with them was an underwear drive for the same reason. People donate clothes and boots and shoes and cap and coats, but they don't donate underwear. So you need underwear. So we, uh, did something in conjunction with a store in town and we raised, we got a bunch of underwear for them. That is very cool. And that's what I was talking about. We interviewed Dana Marlowe. I support the girls and she has donated like a million, over a million bras to people in the same situation. She does, she does drive. She has tractor trailers pull up disasters, you know, tornadoes and people lose their home. She, they pull up. It's like bras and, uh, you know, like tampons and stuff like that. You need, so yeah. hair and bras because women don't have that prison shelters, disasters. Yes. And it's something that, is just taken for granted by so many of us. Right. So uh, I think that's, I think that's just so cool. And when people really just go that extra mile to look at the things that are often overlooked and what, like what a small, small thing, but what a big, big difference it makes in someone's just life and comfort and care. And when you're like stressed and like just pulled to the max and you're going to snap and somebody just offers you uh, you know, a touch of kindness and home and comfort. It just can kind of just give you that breath to, to move forward. And I think it's, I think the small things cannot be overlooked. So I love that. You know, and some people, I think they are like, well, I'm not rich. I can't help. What could I yes. do? Right. And the truth is like, if you bought a pack of underwear from Walmart for $5, you're helping yes. and yes. you're contributing. So it's amazing yep. what you can do. And um, the place at First Life actually is trying to expand out of their space. And um, literally we were at a camp out with the kids. I don't sleep over because I don't camp, but anyway, we were roasting marshmallows and <laughs> I brought up the place of First Life and what they were doing. Okay. This is a God thing. My neighbor is a builder. He works for one of the biggest builders in the Come United on. States, like building supplies. And he's like, um, I could donate the building supplies to that. And then we have another friend that works for a drywall company. Yeah, we could probably donate the drywall. And so now they need the labor. Like, okay, so we just took this giant project that costs, yes. I don't know how much, and now it costs a 10th of that. Of so that, yeah. just by asking. So sometimes you think you can't help, but um, it's not always money. Sometimes it's time and uh, resources yep. you can help. I love, love, love that. Talk for a minute now about, I know I kind of blabbed about it a, a little bit, but the power of humor and what, what does it do when, for you when you see people come into one of your performances or you sit down and talk with them, you get feedback and they say, oh my gosh, Amy, I laughed, you know, so hard. Or, you know, like what? That is like magic. That is magical. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever done stand-up comedy, but, you know, people would rather, their, their fear of standing up in public and speaking, just doing speaking, let alone doing stand-up yeah. comedy they fear that like Jerry Seinfeld has that famous joke, like they fear, you know, stand up comedy more than they do death. Their fear of dying ranks lower on their chart than speaking in public. So it's, it's a very scary thing, but then once you do it, it's like, it is the most euphoric thing. I can't even describe it. It's over the moon to stand up there and have people just break out or be wiping their eyes because they're laughing so hard or whatever. And, um, and it's, there's nothing like it cause it's live and it's instant feedback versus like a movie as you're doing seven takes and there's not a live audience or even the television show, you know, with our um, live studio audience of one person. Um, it's not really the same, but, or my books, like I love getting feedback. They're like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. You made me feel better about myself. You made me feel better about my 
relationship with my husband, relationship with my kids. I'm trying to handle it all. You made me feel more normal. And so it's really good, but nothing uh, describes getting that feedback in person. But to your point, humor, I think people take themselves way too seriously. And um, if you survived it and um, there wasn't violence involved, like I never think anything's funny with violence ever. But other than that, given enough time, it's funny. That's what time. you poop your pants at a concert or you fall down the flight of steps at work, or you were almost murdered yeah. in Mexico on a trip, but you weren't <laughs> murdered. I think eventually that makes a really good story. I have so many things happen in our lives or things just go awry and yeah, I take a deep breath. I look at my kids and something goes wrong. A mistake was made, some whatever. And I'm like, two weeks, you know, there's like different uh, rankings, right? Some it's like two hours, two weeks, two days. Two weeks. <laughs> and here, I'm like, in this amount of time, this moment's going to be funny. I'm like, it's not so funny right now, but in this amount of time, based on the severity of the situation, like, right? Like, yes. We'll laugh like, about this later. Yes. This is going like, remember this because we're going to laugh. Like not right now. Let's just get through this madness right now. But like, then it's going to be funny. And when we, uh, I, you know, I lost my husband in Iraq, right? In 2005. Know. And a lot of my friends are military widows. And I will tell you that in the darkest, darkest moments, um, it was when somebody could help me laugh that like, gave me that gasp, you know, to get through to the next air. So, I mean, I took it to an extreme. I was making jokes at really inappropriate moments, like inappropriate. Well, you know, sometimes you're, you respond that way. Like, I, I know how, yeah, yeah my, when my sister passed away, they asked me to speak at the funeral. And that was a huge mistake because I didn't, I was trying to cheer everybody up. I was trying to cheer people up at a funeral and that was inappropriate, but I just, I didn't like, I was trying to tell funny stories about her and joking about the parking situation. And it's like, my mother's like, no, but I don't, I did. That's how I, that was my stress and my stress. That was the only thing I need to do. And then in hindsight, I'm like, don't ever ask me to speak at a funeral unless you want it to be like a roast. Lesson learned. Yes, a roast. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. That's what I told my kids I want my funeral to be. It has to be a, <laughs> has to be a roast. Like you just actually, roast me. Actually, I'm just kidding. I don't do roast. I don't like insult comedy. No, but there, if you're, it's like in good, you, there's a line. Yeah, there's yes, a line. Absolutely. You know, there's a line. Somebody can make fun of you for like the cookies you burned or so, you know, like I, yeah, I feel oh, like yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. levels of roast. You just, you can't take it too far. You just, yes. There are just some things that are not funny, right? But it has to be a, lo- a light roast. Yeah, you know, like like coffee. You got the dark roast, you got the light roast. <laughs> Lightly roast. It's got to be the light roast, like decaf, maybe. Yes, and my content editor disagreed yeah. with me. Um, I won't say her name, but she um, <laughs> she went like that. But she was like, "That's not funny. They could have been killed in Mexico." And I'm like, "But they weren't." And she's like but they could have been, or I have a story about a dog eating pantyhose and the, they pull it out. It's like a magician scarf, you know, pulling, pulling, pulling. It was a fancy dinner party. And she's like, that could have hurt the animal. And I was like, but it didn't, it didn't hurt the animal. And to please her, I put this disclaimer, don't pull, out, pull things out of your animal's bottoms, <laughs> call your vet. But I was like, everybody, so many people relate to this story. They're like, Oh, let me tell you, I pulled out of my cat's bottom. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just, and she was just like, that's distasteful. I'm like, perhaps, but I still think that's amusing. Right. Or getting yeah. fired or date disasters, dating disasters. Funny at the time. Some of them are funny. Some of them are funny at the time. At the door. I was back in the dating scene. That was like a whole other. That's a, oh, that's a crazy story to be told. Yeah. Yeah. Stories to be told. Right. So, but that's, that's it. Like, I mean, you have to be able to find like for me, inappropriate jokes probably weren't funny. You know, like I did things there was a trial involved, you know, it was crazy. So like, I would joke with the MPs. Sometimes I would make people uncomfortable, right? Because I'm going into this traumatic situation and I didn't want to break down and cry in front of everybody. So I would make these jokes. So I think, I think sometimes you could take it too far, but um, <laughs> it's survival mechanism. It is a survival sure. mechanism, but it's also a tool. And now when people just start laughing, it's an icebreaker. You can connect with people. Like if you can, I feel like if you can get somebody to laugh and not just like an uncomfortable laugh, right? But if you can like, get them to feel the laugh and laugh for real, like that's kind of a gift you give somebody in the day and it gives back, right? And you just instantly kind of dissolve a barrier that you have. and Or even and just a little bit better. self-depreciating, like if you're in a meeting 
or a conference or something, and one person's next to you giving you their resume of all the stuff they've done and whatever, which is great. That's fine. And then the next person's like, crap, I have one blue shoe on and one black shoe on. It's like, which person do you want to go to lunch with? Right. You know exactly. I, mean? I want to go to lunch with the person that's more self-depreciating. But um, and so that's not necessarily a laugh, but it's just like just revealing a little bit of yourself, especially as women. I think it's our responsibility to give to our daughters or to younger people. Like I did that too. Look at the power of the Me Too movement and how I, I was reading on Twitter. It was like 20 years of weight had been lifted off me. People were writing that, yeah. you know, it's just like, um, and if you can't tell someone because it's so whatever, write it down, journal it, burn it, but you got to get yes. it out some way. And, um, but if you could get it out in a way eventually that you could help others steer them right in the direction or what you learned, or just by saying, I did that too. People like sigh. They're like, Oh, thank goodness. You know, it's like, I can relate to you. So I think that's a, to your point, very, very powerful tools is humor and, you know, being, being more authentic. Yeah. A hundred, hundred percent. Talk to me a little bit. Let's, let's just go back a little and look at the, the arc here, if you will. See, did I see you grew up in rural Appalachia? Yes, I did. So talk about that because I don't know much about that area, that lifestyle. I just know, you know, of people and stories I hear. And what I hear is that it's, you know, n- not the place people would think of where you can launch into this huge, successful, giant life, right? I don't have a huge, successful, giant life, but I hear no, what you're saying. I know, I know. <laughs> But I know you keep saying that, but you know, I'm trying to like put this nice, I, hear you I, say. I just hear it's a difficult place, you know, to grow up at. Yeah. Where, where I live, everybody, uh, not everybody, but you know, there's, you know, there's just levels of world. Right. And it's like the majority of people in my life and where they're like uh, the nine to five, they're working for the pension. They're happy with that. They're content, you know? So yeah. it's unusual for somebody to do what I'm doing in my community, you know, sure. if that makes sense. So what is rural Appalachia? Rural Appalachia. So I grew up in Marietta, Ohio, and it's, um, I think recently something was posted. It had the poorest cities in the United States and it was Athens, Ohio, which is like 30 minutes where OU, not Ohio State University, that's in Columbus, but OU University, go Bobcats, uh, was in Athens, Ohio. And so it's just, it's literally, you know, Appalachia kind of runs, it's a region, you know, through Kentucky, Tennessee or whatever. And, um, you know, my dad worked for the phone company. So he had like a paycheck, a pension. We had health insurance. I mean, we were, you know, we had a little house out amongst farms. Like literally sometimes I get off the bus and there'd be a cow in my front yard because it had caught away. Oh, that happens here too. Like for real. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, um, very, it was like Honduras. Like there was old money in my town from like the 19, the turn of the century, like they discovered oil or something. So there's these big Victorian homes and then really really poor, like a huge percentage of people on public assistance. Okay. And, um, it's just, it's just, it is, it, my town's a little bit, it's a beautiful town. It has, you know, brick streets and everything, but it's, um, you know, some people just never got out of that. And, um, it, you know, a lot of people that I knew were the first people in their families to go to college, you know? Yeah. And so we were just kind of like the blind leading the blind, me and a bunch of these girls and, we didn't know. And, and, and now you learn, right? Like now I'm telling my, my kids stuff that I didn't know. I'm like, it's important to get an internship. It's important yes. to do this. It's important yes. to, you know, whatever, do this, have a leadership position in high school. And, you know, we were, you know, my, my dad grew up in a town of 35 people and he wow. had seven, he had seven people in his own family. <laughs> so very small. And, um, but anyway, it is what it is. It's, uh, you know, luckily, well, not luckily, but my, well, luckily, because my parents didn't get along. So my parents got divorced. And so when I graduated from college, my mom had gotten a job. It was um, the software. Software was just starting, you know, to get really big. And so she had a a job with um, a subsidiary of IBM in Atlanta. So when I graduated from college, I went to Atlanta and it just opened up a whole different world as far as diversity and jobs available and just thought process, you know, was so different. And I'm going to go back. I may go back the 20th to my 30th reunion for high school because I haven't haven't been back. And it's going to be interesting to see what's going on. Yeah, that's going to be, I imagine, kind of future you know, lives colliding. And I don't know. And I, don't, and I think people are happy there. You know, no, you, I mean, your life, when you go back and you look at anytime you go back and you revisit any place you were 
that year, you know, that long ago and you see like then now the difference just makes you, I think, more aware of your own and life and journeys and travel. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. Or you see something you miss. And I don't know. I just think it's cool. I get into that. I get it like, oh, I'm an emotional person. Right. So I love <laughs> the, I love the emotion, uh, you know, attached to going back. So I visit, you know, places that had meaning in my life at some points and you just sit there's a good time to reflect and. Well, there's a whole comedy show yeah. for my hometown. Like this is a true story. So okay. I met my first husband in Atlanta and, uh, Whatever. He was in the computer business. You know, we were both had white collar jobs, no kids, bought a house, you know, traveling around. Um, we're dinks, right? Dual income, no, no okay. kids. And um, my cousin was getting married and it was like a potluck wedding. Like literally, I'm like, oh, I'm flying in from Atlanta and getting renting a car and I'm gonna pick up meatballs on the way. Like what? <laughs> and then um, and then you go and they're like, give the directions. They're like, it's a double wide on the left. And I'm like, what? But really it was a single wide on the left. And the deck was like as big as our computer monitors. <laughs> and uh, they, that's where they had their first dance. And like the groom put like a big, like Copenhagen dip in, like right in front of us, like for the camera. And my, and when we stepped out of the car, I mean, I just had like a black dress on shoes, I think sunglasses, my husband, you know, at the time was wearing a suit. They looked at us like my cousin Vinny, like that look, like, <laughs> are y'all from New York city? It's like, no, we're from Atlanta. It was, people had overalls on, people had camo things on, people had union shiny jackets on. Like it is literally a field with a trailer with like a lean to with the potluck with the 700 extension cords with meatballs and sausages. <laughs> and I'm like, there's a story in this somewhere, but anyway, they're happy. They're still married yes, to this I day. Don't, I, I they're don't married know. and I'm not married. So, you know, I'm glad you said that because the common cross of like, you know, I knew people when, when I got married, the only place we could afford to live, my husband and I, um, we had two dogs. The only place we could afford to live was in a trailer, in a trailer park. Yeah. We made a lot so, of people do it. We made so many jokes, but we were the happiest those were the happiest times of my life in that little trailer park until we were too right. poor to pay the lot rent. And then we had to like go move into his sister's house, you know? Um, so, you know, we, we went through that period, but yeah. I no think shame in that, matter, There's oh, no shame in oh, that. Oh, oh no, 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 no. That's just the, the tip there. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh wait, the shame is coming. Do tell. <laughs> oh no, no. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so it is a matter of perspective and where you go, but yeah, when you, when you have like such different cultures, I have walked into situations but I walk into things that I was grossly underdressed for because I thought it'd be cool to, you know, be myself or, you know, this isn't, I don't need to dress up for this. And then you just immediately recognize your mistake when you're just, and I've walked into things I'm grossly overdressed for, and then you just look a whole different way. So it's an uncomfortable feeling and you got to, there's nothing you could do. You got to just own it, right? You got to just be, and it's not like I've moved up. I live in Cumming, <laughs> Georgia. I mean, Cumming, Georgia. That's it. <laughs> I think I dated a guy from there. Oh my like, gosh. For real. But it's but I mean, it is pretty big. But yeah. yeah. That's, so a, that's not, another story. And I don't think um I don't know. I mean, that doesn't define your soul, your socioeconomic status. You know what I mean? Like Oh no, no, no. That doesn't define define who you are or it that doesn't I love it no. when um people re read my book and they're like, it's so sweet. They go, When I get paid, I'm gonna buy your book. Oh, See, but, and that's huge. Like that I know. is just, that is that like, I'll just send it to you. Yes. I'll send it to you. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I I've, have done that too, but it means a lot to you. And people, I think people don't realize the power of sincerity and just an effort and truth. And I, I love that for us again, it's, it's about fulfillment and just leading, but it doesn't matter where you find that fulfillment. I know. Yeah. Like, people who need, you know, the five-star resort to feel fulfilled. And right now my son is sleeping in a hammock somewhere in the mountains in Canada because <laughs> he like, that's where he feels fulfilled and he's doing it. So I right. love, I, I love the, the diversity there. If you could have a dream guest on your, actually, I'm going to put it this way. If I could call up anybody in the entire world that you've never met, that you would love to sit down and spend the afternoon, maybe get them on your show, but they don't need to be comedic, right? Um, no, they need to be comedic. Who would that be? All right, so let's take that away from <laughs> Then they okay. can't be on your show. Okay. Wait, don't make gonna, that a... Okay, go ahead. You're not going to believe this. Probably this Such a cool story. So okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was with a writing partner, Jimmy Crump, thank you, yesterday, 
going over segments. He's um, whenever I do stand up, I send him my material, and he always looks at it, and makes improvements, and he always makes improvements. But um, anyway, so I was like, let's look at these segments, and we we're talking, and he's like, um, I have someone that I want you to meet. I'm going to introduce you via email, and I was like, okay, whatever. So he sends me this email, and it's Eddie Brill, and Eddie Brill is this super famous comedian who opened for David Letterman for 16 years. Excellent. Yeah. And so that would be one of my dream guests. And I, I told him that when I emailed him back, <laughs> but he's in, like, he's in New York. I don't know. He hasn't replied yet, but he's in where um, he's in New York oh, well, and I'm in Atlanta, yeah. but I was like, so if you're what? ever in Atlanta on a Wednesday at four o'clock, <laughs> <laughs> will you do my show? I'm and sure so, there's a broom closet in New York that you could use. That's true. We could use a room positive. Eddie, Eddie Eddie Brill. I will come to you, Eddie Brill. Brill. Yeah. You call me when you come to New York. We live in the country, but we're an hour and a half north of the city. I will find you a broom closet. Yes. Another guest would be who I've communicated with because there's, Santa Comedy is like a small yes. community. Yeah. And the stand-up comedy in Atlanta is even smaller. And I'm not a professional stand-up comedian, so I only do it amateurish, but I'm friends with the owner of um, the Punchline. So it's he's nice to include me in some things so I'm able to meet people. But um Another guy, Scott Dickers. Scott Dickers wrote How to Write Funny. It's a New York Times bestselling book. And he is from Atlanta, but he's a second city comedian professor. Or I don't know what you call him, trainer, whatever. And so um, I think he might come on my show if he's in Atlanta. Scott Dickers, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but other than Go that, like, like movie star wise, like imagine like um, Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live from Ghostbusters. She's crazy. She'd be great on my show. Rachel Dratch, Molly Shannon, (laughs) Melissa McCarthy. (laughs) Go for it. You know, it's a matter of, you just got to get to the people who get to the people, you know, you got to get through their gatekeepers or find a way to do that. I think most of these people who are you know, well-known at the top of the industry, what I find, because every now and then I, I have the same situation. I'm like on a bus to an event, like from the hotel with the guests to the event, to the event. I'm like, oh my God, I just sat next to like the producer of Saving Private Ryan. Like, well, that was cool. I didn't know that, you know, that like that kind of thing. Right. But when you, when you have an opportunity to meet them outside of the confines of the professional world, you know, if you just meet them as people, most of them are just people and they welcome the opportunity. Some of them are not. Some of them are jerks. Some of them are not. Some of them are just the, yes, Yes. they do not pass. They do not pass the chug test as one of our guys. Sims chug test. Um, but yeah, you know, so most of them, and sometimes I find myself in conversations with people. I'm like, I cannot believe this person is talking to me right now, you know? And it's so cool when you drop that and you just relate to the, to the person. And sometimes it grows into like an ongoing sustained relationship. Sometimes it doesn't, but I think every interaction has something to offer and you take away from it. Even if it's just a moment of humiliation, it's a funny story later. It is a funny story. And I think um, on my show, like I want to have as many Atlanta comics that will come in improv. There's, there's a big improv population here. And so I'm really excited about that. But I also want to have like a whole segment called the underdogs. And like we each talk me and the guests, cause they're, I'm not going to interview them. They're like a co-host. They're just going to jump yeah. into the games and everything. Right. And um, so we each talk about a favorite underdog. Like one of my favorite underdogs is uh, JK Rowling. You know, she has a very uh, compelling Great story, story about yeah. her success and you know, whatever. So, and then feature somebody from Atlanta or not necessarily from the country that is like a funny stand-up comic. We show a 15 second clip or a 30 second clip. You can't show their whole, whole act that would ruin it, but right. give a shout out or a singer or whoever. And it's called underdogs. And it's like, yes, I'd love to have somebody famous on my show, but really I'd love to use that platform and however I can, because I'm not, I'm not famous, but to, um, lift up everybody else. And, and, you know, if, you know, 10 people find them that day, that's 10 more than they had yesterday. So I love the idea of that. And even in my movie script, I love to use like second city, second city comedians, groundlings comedians. They don't have to be famous groundlings comedian. They could just be, but they're, they're so talented. Yeah. It's like they just have to be good. They just have to be good. That's it. That's the requirement. That's that's the requirement. And you can please contact Amy Lyle. You're a female That's, comedian from Groundlings or Second City. <laughs> excellent, excellent. We have a role for you. I'm just waiting. Are you done? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm totally kidding. That's great. I love it. Okay, so on a, a little more serious note, we talk a lot. American Snippets, we believe, 
in the American dream. I believe in the American dream. Like my family personally gave a lot for this country. Why we started the show is just to remind people that underneath all the nonsense, we are just people. We are Americans. We are doing extraordinary things with our lives. We still have the ability to do extraordinary things with our lives, no matter what is happening in the country, you know, take accountability for, for your own life and give back to the community. And so for us, the American dream is alive and well, we are living our version of it ourselves. Everybody has their own version of it. Like we were talking about before, it doesn't have, yeah. to be, you know, the expensive cars and the house It's nope. fulfillment, right? So we're living that ourselves. Some people would look at us and think we're crazy and that's fine. Uh, but what does the American dream mean to you? What is your version of the American dream and what, what does that? Um, I think that I express this to my kids all the time. We, we have three girls that how lucky they think they're so unlucky because they live in a world of entitlement. I mean, you know, we're even as a, most people in the United States have more than anyone else in the world. Right. If you have a garage, you have more than most people anywhere else in the world, or you know where your next meal is coming from. Right. So, and the, um, opportunities that women have here are like no other. And so I, I just think that is, I'm so excited that our kids are growing up in the United States. I'm, I'm so excited for that and that they have a voice and that it is starting to come around. Like you don't think of a, a male when you think of a doctor anymore or a dentist, right. it's like those fields are wide open and that's happening. I think the doctor dentist thing is happening quicker than a women in comedy, but women uh, movies, comedic movies are making money. Melissa McCarthy's monies are making money. Kristen Wiig's money, you know, they're making money, Sandra Bullock. And so, well, that's what perpetrates that. If you make money, you'll right. get invited to make another one. And so that's the American dream for me is just, it's kind of tied to, uh, the opportunities, especially for women. I, I think it's, um, getting more and more wide open. And, um, and to your point, talking about, um, what's going on a little bit in the United States, the network that my show's on is called United Intentions Media. And they're really committed to free speech and they're really committed to truth, you know, and um, they have it. So anyway, it's just like, I think the majority of what you watch on TV is so skewed. Yeah. It is so skewed. So we don't have to go into politics, but that's no, one thing I like, I like about the <laughs> network. It's like, let's not get caught away. And, and it's not political either, but um there needs to be some yeah. places that you can go for not so skewed. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm yes. I, I do know what you're saying. We're, yeah. yes, we're, um, we're like for us, patriotism is important. And yes. But it and proud. And me people aren't proud to be Americans anymore. What? It makes me insane that patriotism has been weaponized and politicized. So we're trying, like we have a giant event next April in DC that infuses patriotism because without the politics, you know, so for us, that's, yeah, that's something that just makes us, makes us insane, but everybody's got their thing that, you know, speaks to them. Yeah. That's it. So if people want to follow you, want to get updates, find out more about your TV show, want to send me funny stories, want to send you funny stories, book you on another show, talk to any sure. one of the 15 names you dropped. <laughs> Donate to the place of Forsyth. You know, where can they go to find out more about you and connect with you? Okay. Well, um, I'm on Facebook as Amy Lyle. My Facebook page is amylyle.me.com was taken. My uh, website is amylyle.me. They have a funny story. That's the best way to get a hold of me because they could email me. And then um, I think everything else is just Amy Lyle, except for uh, Instagram. It was already taken. So it's author Amy Lyle. Right. And um, I would love to know if somebody has, I mean, a funny video they want to share or that I'm allowed to broadcast. It has to be original right. material or a funny story, a failure story, or somebody that they love that's an underdog that they'd like to be featured, like, or a sponsor, Barbara. I would love, I need $1 million for my movie. <laughs> I would love to have a sponsor for my television show. So okay. just contact me. <laughs> okay, excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I don't know. I just felt like I just kind of hung out and chatted for an hour, however long this has been. I know this but, is good. Oh, and yeah. they can get my books on Amazon, yes. Walmart.com, some Barnes and Noble stores. So they're Amy Lyle, um, by Amy Lyle, The Book of Failures. Perfect. And I'm going to throw that out there now. If somebody listening to, if you listen to this podcast and you leave a review on iTunes, take a screenshot of it, send that screenshot to support 
at americansnippets.com with your mailing address. I will send you a copy of Amy's book. I'll order one from Amazon and send it to you, the book of your choice. So all they got to do is listen to the podcast, leave a review, the first 10 people that do that. I am going to, if it has to be a review on this episode, um, and stay, take a screenshot, email it to bar, uh, info, I can't, not even info, support at americansnippets.com and let me know your mailing address. I'm going to order a copy of your book from Amazon. I'm going to send it to them. Oh my gosh, that's really that's expensive actually. Here we go along. They're $12 a piece. Five, $5.99 <laughs> if you get the ebook. Oh, there you go. I'll send you the ebook. But um, <laughs> no, that's what we like to do. We like to encourage people, you know, reviews help us too, but we always like oh. to, to support and give back. Yeah, you know, right? Like Reviews, reviews are important are like, for every one review. I don't, and you yeah. know this, for every one review, 10,000 people have listened to your show. It's like, yeah. people don't like to give reviews. I don't know why. Yeah. But. but they'll message me. They email me and message me and send me on Facebook. And I'm like, that's great. Can you cut and paste that into yeah, iTunes? I, I say that please. all the time. Can you please cut and paste that into Good Reads Amazon? Cut that, yes, Amazon too, yes. All right. So we're thank you, Barbara, for having me. So thank you so much for being here. All right. There you have it, everyone. That wraps up another episode of American Sippets. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to personally thank Amy Lyle for being here as well and sharing her story and being on the show. If you got some value out of this episode or any episodes in the past, all we'd like to do is ask you to leave us a review. Uh, reviews go a really long way in getting these stories out there and our mission out there. Again, uh, we want to be the positive spotlight for all the things that make this country great, all the people that make this country great. Again, we want to spread our message of positivity, possibility, and patriotism across the nation. Uh, we want to be the, you know, the counterbalance to all the negativity that's out there that you see in the news, and we could use your help. And uh, just simply leaving us a review can go a really long way, sharing this with a friend, uh, sharing this episode on social media. You can tag us at American Sippets, also uh, on Instagram or Facebook. And we also have a YouTube channel uh, at America Sippets. And we publish a lot, of, a lot of content on the YouTube channel that we don't necessarily publish here on the podcast and vice versa. So um, Make sure you do that. And don't forget to check out the full article and video that we have with Amy Lyle. That's americansippets.com forward slash 098. And we just launched early an early bird offer for the Great American Summit. This is our uh, patriotic event that's going to be held in Washington, D.C. in April of 2020. You can get your tickets now by going to greatamericansummit.com. Appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time.